This is a message I've never preached before. Most of the messages I've never preached before. And uh, for some of you that uh, do miss occasionally, miss a sermon or two, uh, we are starting to upload uh, videos that are being recorded uh, to our YouTube channel last Sunday night. Uh, again, uh, all my messages I feel are led of the Lord and I work on and uh, uh, work them out, labor in. And uh, uh, I believe last Sunday night on soul winning is as is, is important of a sermon as I've ever preached. And uh, personal uh, stories in there, illustrations, uh, a solid outline. And I'm going to give you a solid outline this morning. Uh, I would put this as a kissing cousin to last Sunday night's message. Again, we're on soul winning. We're doing a series on soul winning. So few Christians uh, really know what soul winning is. It's not just being happy. It's not just, um, you know, saying a few things uh, uh, in the public square. It could be at work. It could be at school. It could be in your neighborhood. Uh, soul winning is when you purposely use the scripture Open that up and show somebody their need for Jesus Christ. Listen, often misunderstood for our duty. Our duty is to be a Christian. Our duty is to let our light so shine. And part of our duty is to understand that we need to do something out of our comfort zone out of the ordinary and do something super extraordinary and that is tell somebody one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread and of course jesus christ is the bread of life turn to psalm 149 i already asked you to do that <clears throat> please stand for the reading of god's word we're going to read this whole chapter you're going to listen to me you're going to follow along Psalm 149, now just as a preface to this psalm, there's several psalms towards the end. I would say the last 10, it could be more, but I think the last 10 from Psalm 140 to Psalm 150, you see a lot of praise in the Lord. It's there. Matter of fact, Praise ye to the Lord is the first statement of this psalm and the last statement of this psalm. Look at the first verse. Look at the last verse. You're going to see praise all over the place. What you're also going to find in this psalm in particular is verse 6. Don't look there. We're going to, we're going to follow along with it. But you're going to notice the two-edged sword. The two-edged sword is the Bible. There's a verse in the New Testament that says this in Ephesians, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is quick and powerful. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
the two-edged sword is so powerful, it can separate your soul and spirit. There's no technological laser uh, that is invented by man as precise as it is that can do that kind of cutting. We find in Psalm 149 this word two-edged sword. What we should be doing it smack dab in the middle of these praises. This, can I submit to you verse 6 as the text that would be our jump-off verse, this chapter we're going to read out loud, I'll read out loud, to show you that we ought to be praising the Lord and having a two-edged sword together. There's a lot of church services that are going on today. Are you listening? There's a lot of church services that are going on today that will worship the Lord for an hour, maybe even longer. A lot of praises, praise bands and choirs and special groups and soloists, duets, beautiful, wonderful praise music. I admire some of that. Are you listening? But not at the sacrifice of the two-edged sword. Worship and praise unto our king is not to supersede the two-edged sword and the preaching of God's word. An hour, hour and a half of music, 45 minutes of music and praise, and 10 minutes of the word of God. I don't go to church to praise the Lord stand alone. I go there to hear from God's man that has studied and prepared and prayed and labored for God as he feeds the sheep. With that being said, with a little background of where this psalm is situated, towards the end of 150 psalms, Psalm 149, please read verse 1, follow along with me. Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of saints. That's a good one for those that don't want to come to church. Even this past week, in traffic church, yesterday it happened, and I often ask people this, and they're praising the Lord, hey, are you saved? Oh, yeah. I go, are you going to church? Well, I read the Bible as often as I can. That's a no answer, by the way. You know how many Christians are not going to church? Unless the Lord uh, said something else in the Word about the last days, we are to go to church. The church, the pillar and ground of truth, that's where truth is, should be dispensed. Yes, you should have private devotions. Yes, you should peruse the word of God and read it. Study it. We're commanded to do that. But we're also commanded to go to church where there's a, what's the psalm say? A congregation. You congregate. It's not even a Bible study. As much as I'm faithful to Brother Dave's Bible study on Thursday night, that's important to me. 
I love the fellowship. I love the guys. By the way, uh, several men stood and confessed out loud and said, Lord, save my soul Thursday night at that Bible study. It was the 11th anniversary of Kurt Lewis's death. And Brother Dave gave the charge. He did a marvelous job. And the Lord led me to go up there and lead the invitation to drop the net. You know, listen, with all due respect of many good churches in the area, do you know that it's a lost and dying uh, uh, discipline of pastors to drop the net on a Sunday morning? You know, some of the greatest catches as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ that I experience are at funerals. I was at a funeral Friday morning for a good man, a God-fearing man, that, that minister. And he's a good man. I'm not saying uh, these men are bad men. Am I saying that? I'm saying at a funeral, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, that's a place to drop the net of the gospel of Jesus Christ because the living will give it to heart. I'll say that slower in case you didn't hear what I said. The living shall lay it to their heart. The house of mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. I'm a funeral preacher, <laughs> kind of. That good minister, a good man, a faithful man, did not drop the net. You got people that are unsaved there at a funeral service. Come on, show me your stuff. Right? It's happening at that Bible study. The brother Dave leaves, leads. We're dropping the nut there. Men are getting saved. At Bible studies, some pastors need to come to that Bible study and see how it's done. Tongue-in-cheek, of course. The congregation of the saints, verse 2, let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Verse 3, let them praise his name in dance. Let them sing praises unto him with a timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. See that salvation right there? Once you're saved, again, you can look at little mini vignettes in this psalm. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in the Lord. Salvation first, then comes joy, right? Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Look at verse 6. Let the high praises of God, yes, we're supposed to praise Him, be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. See that right there? How the meek experience salvation, joy comes, they're singing, and not far behind, listen to me, is that two-edged sword. That's what's not taking place in many churches. They don't have that two-edged sword ready to pierce to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and also to help depression anxiety? Do you know you can be having a bad day and have the joy of the Lord? How many knew that? I hope that's not a new revelation for you all. 
You can be having a miserable set of circumstances and deep down in your spirit, the engine room where the Holy Ghost resides is making sure everything is nice and tidy, everything is swept, everything is good deep down inside of you. Even though the circumstances... It's like being in a submarine and the surface is like a tsunami, <laughs> you know? Storm and uh, hurricane force. And deep down in that submarine, it's quiet and smooth going. How many know what I'm talking about? Have you experienced that? You need that two-edged sword to divide soul and spirit. And so the Holy Ghost deep down inside you. Listen, I can tell you it's happened this past week. It happens many a time where I've had at surface value a bad day. And guess what? The Lord gives me a soul. The Lord gives me an opportunity. Can I tell you one? Let's finish this chapter. I'm going to tell you one hot off the press from Friday afternoon. It'll, it'll, it's astounding. It's great to soul win. Look at this. Finish this chapter. I know you've been standing. Let the high praise, verse 6, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people. Again, it goes from uh, again, the Psalms are amazing, architecturally put together. It talks about first advent, salvation, the Lord's coming. Then it talks about the second advent, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Look at his split time. That's what it's talking about right there. That two-edged sword is going to be vengeance. You want a reference to that That's verse we read? Revelation 19, where we're on, well, I'm getting chicken skin right now. We're on white stallion horses, and on his thigh is written the word of God, and a sharp sword goeth out of his mouth. That's a two-edged sword in Revelation 19. Just before the second coming of Jesus, at the, after the second coming of Jesus Christ, he's going to clean some clocks. That's what that's referring to, second advent verse right there. Verse 8, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgments written. This honor have all his saints. It's going to praise ye to the Lord. Hey, it's going to be an honor to be in that army in heaven. It's going to be an honor to be following our great Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. As you're seated, let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, this is a great psalm. It has blessed my heart. Lord, I pray it blesses the hearts of all that is here this morning. Oh God, give me unction. Use me in a supernatural way. Oh God, you know I've begged for that. Lord, please, do a work in our midst. May not only we have the praises of God in our mouth, but that we would have a renewed spirit and the word of God and how it's supposed to be synonymous with what comes out of our mouth and the high praises of God. Oh God, please bless this sermon. We ask in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Let me tell you a story. It's a normal Friday. Thank God it's Friday, right? I get a call from one of my customers. One of my alarm customers, uh, his name is Gene. 
I won't tell you his last name. He's 77 years old. Uh, good man. Uh, we put an alarm system uh, in for him back in 2005. There's a beautiful farmette on Long Pond Road, oh, maybe a mile north of the ridge, going towards Lada, going towards the lake. There's a beautiful farmette down there, beautiful home and, uh, that is new, but his, it's probably one of the nicest, if not the nicest, uh, garden uh, farmette you'll ever want to see. I mean, you don't see weeds. Everything is just perfectly straight. Uh, corn and some other vegetables. Sits off the road. Just beautiful. Well, Gene is the owner and good man. He's a, uh, this man, I get there, his, his smoke detectors are just, you got to come down here right away. I can't stand it anymore. I got to go outside the house. Gene, I'll be right down. So I booked down there. It had to be around uh, 2, 3 o'clock. This, this past Friday. So I get down there, immediately see what the problem is, start taking the smoke detectors, the one in the master bedroom hallway, unplug that, silence. So I basically narrowed down the problem, fixed the smoke detector for him. And there's a couple other things that alarm. He had to reset his clock and his time and uh, needed a new battery, got him a new battery, had it on the truck, all that kind of stuff. So he's good to go. I go, gee, how you doing? Hey, the house looks really good. How are things going? Oh, real good. You know, he told me about an accident. Now listen, I'm there on a technical call, right? I'm also there for the Lord. I go, Gene, how are things going? Well, man, I really dodged a bullet last Thursday. My girlfriend and I and her grandkids, we got T-boned in an accident. And it was a close one. He's telling me the story now. I'm listening. And he shows me a picture of the car he was in. Him and his girlfriend, he's 77 now, and the grandkids are all hanging from the ceiling of the car. They all had seatbelts on. He got team boat. The car is upside down. All the first responders around there, he definitely dodged a bullet. And guess what that is for a Christian? That is a Mack truck opening. I go, Gene, man, uh, man, God was with you. So I'm starting my witness now, right? He goes, man, that's for sure. He goes, uh, yeah, I'm, listen. He goes, uh, I'm also a chaplain for the Grease Fire Department. Even though he's retired, he's still an active member in the Grease Fire Department. He showed me his, his chaplain card, and he's part of the New York State uh, Chaplain, Fire Chaplains, Firefighter Chaplains Association in New, York City, in New York State. He showed me all his credentials, and I go, wow! I go, Gene! Uh, then I started witnessing to him about that I'm a firefighter. I don't want to see people go to hell. Really? I, I, this, that was my approach. I got the hook in now. He's right. I'm telling you, when people are right in your hand, if you don't drop the net, remember the story about the minister, the Friday funeral? If you don't see that people are right in your hand and you don't give an invite to receive Christ, I'm sorry, I would be in neglect of my duty, not as a pastor, as a Christian, and I would be 
negligent in my duty as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ when I'm in this pulpit. And like I said on many times, John Wesley, the world is my parish. I've adopted that, that the world is my parish wherever I go. I'm going to preach the gospel. Have, have, uh, I wrote a devotion. I think it was Thursday I wrote it. Maybe some of you received it. Having a word in season to them that are weary. Well, how does Gene fit into this situation? Well, he was weary of an accident. Realized that he dodged a bullet. He had a close one. And I witnessed to him. And I showed him that he needs... I got the track out. I got this track out. And I showed him, Gene, you need to pray this prayer right here. He goes, you know what? These other chaplains that I'm on an email correspondence with are telling me the same thing. He's Roman Catholic. Other ministers... Remember, he's a chaplain. Other ministers are telling him the same thing I'm telling him on this service call. Remember, I'm not just a technician at that point. I'm a minister. And so are you wherever you go. You don't have to be an ordained Baptist minister to have a calling card for somebody to witness to them and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I, I said, Gene, in the privacy of your own home, you need to say this prayer today, and you need to get saved. And I'm telling you, you know how you can read body language? There's a smile that came on his face. He knew. He even told me, you're not here just on a call today, are you? I'm telling you, that's what he told me. I go, Gene, I know that God sent me down here to tell you this today. You pray for Gene. I got his number. I'm going to do a follow-up with him. But I'm telling you, that happened Friday afternoon. Lord gave me a soul at Dave's, and some other men prayed too, but one in particular we were praying for got saved. And this guy was a tough customer. Some of you all were praying for this man. And then Wednesday at Soup and Soul, there's a man I saw on Lyle Avenue Corridor. He was a nice guy. You know, doesn't look like much. Matter of fact, he doesn't look like, doesn't even fit the profile of what you'd see down there. You know? Etc. 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 All right, and he came in, and I preached, and he got saved. We led him in a prayer at Soup and Soul. So listen, souls are getting saved, but are you engaged in this? Now let's look at the sermon uh, 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 at hand today. We just read this. I want you to go to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. I'm going to give you a three-point outline. And um, I hope you're really taking into consideration, I'm sorry, a consideration of some things that I'm uh, doing for you, and uh, uh, some sermons, some, some things we're doing on Wednesday night with Way to Master. And uh, number one, write this down, number one, my first point of my sermon is this, your sphere, say that with me, your sphere, say it with me, your sphere, roundness, your sphere of influence. Have you ever heard that? Your sphere of influence, your world, the world. Notice in Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 13. It says straight up to everyone that reads this, you are, ye are, Matthew 5, 13, ye are the salt of the world. No, it says the earth. The earth. 
Do you realize that everywhere that your feet goes, that you are salt? You don't necessarily have to be talking to people. Your influence everywhere you go should be a salt, a salting, a... You ever see it? Uh, I know this is a cool thought right now. Here we are in July in this heat wave. That you ever see a salt broadcaster on a salt truck? It broadcasts the salt. It goes everywhere. It goes in the next lane of traffic. It goes in parking lots. It goes on lawns. It goes everywhere. It goes on your windshield. I cringe when I get behind a salt truck. You know why? Because I'm an upstate New York person that I know what that salt can do to the car. And when it hits the windshield and it gets down into the crevices, it's like, oh no, I gotta go to the car wash now. You know what I mean? Because it's gonna wreak havoc on the body of that car and about everything else as well. You know? Salt's nasty at times, but isn't it safe? Doesn't it preserve? Doesn't it do things that are extraordinary? And when God made those salt deposits in the earth and those salt mines, you find it out. Uh, west of here, you find it out south of here, these salt mines that they, they, for all different kinds of application, one of the greatest opportunities, and I did this witnessing to one of the men that got saved Thursday night. We went out for a bite to eat, and I, we're at Bill Gray's restaurant, and there's a salt and pepper shaker. Hey, if you ever been out to a meal with me, and you're lost, that salt and pepper shaker are going to be props for me to witness to you. I use that salt shaker. I go, hey, you know, how do you get the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the white salt shaker, how do you get, or the black salt shaker, how do you get God's righteousness inside you? How, how you? Can you put this black pepper inside this salt, or this white salt inside this black soul of yours? And he goes, no. It's a supernatural act of God that gets God's righteousness inside of you. So you can have a white Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they should be as wool. Isaiah chapter 1. Come, let us reason together. The Bible says, your sphere of influence is the earth. Everywhere you go, ye are the salt of the earth. Watch. But if the salt have what? Lost. You know, what can, you know what you can lose as a Christian? You can't lose your soul. Are you listening? Come on, listen right now. I'm preaching. This is important. You can't lose your soul, but you can lose your joy, and you can lose your savor, and you can even lose your way as a Christian, but you can't lose your soul. Write that down. Because there's certain groups out there that say you can lose your soul. They don't mess with your head. Especially a normal American nowadays, Christian American nowadays. It doesn't take much for somebody to mess with the Christian mind these days. Especially if you're not in the Word. You can't lose your soul. You're sealed onto the day of redemption. And the way this age goes, you ought to thank God for that. There's a lot of things you can doubt, but you ought not to doubt that your names are written in heaven. Matter of fact, the Bible says you ought to rejoice that your name are written in heaven. Amen! Amen. Rejoice over that! Look at this thing. 
But if the salt, that's you, have lost his savor, pronoun there, wherewith shall it be salted? Where's the it? The earth. How are we supposed to have an influence on planet earth if we've lost our savor? Not lost the savior, lost our savor. You know, I've been in enough fights over the years and either on the hockey rink or off the hockey rink. You ever get so, so close to somebody that you smell them? I've gotten in some fights where they smelled like alcohol. It's pouring out of their pores. How many know what I'm talking about? I know your hand go, would go back up there because you've been in enough fisticuffs. You smell the person for what's coming out of their body. You know what we're supposed to be coming out of our spiritual bodies and out of our, listen, we're going to get to this in a moment, our mouth is salt. We're supposed to be kind. We're supposed to be loving. We're supposed to be truthful. You understand? We ought to get close enough to people where we could smell them and they can smell and taste us. Your sphere of influence. The center of your life ought to be Jesus Christ and everything orbiting around it ought to take orbit, not around you, but about Jesus Christ, around Jesus Christ. You understand that? It says there, uh, uh, wherewith shall be salted. It is therefore, this is where we get the good for nothing uh, phrase from, it is thenceforth good for nothing, but it is cast out to be trodden under foot of men. You know, when salt is not used right, it'll be used like gravel. It'll just be, won't even, people will walk all over you. Have you ever heard that term? Trodden underfoot. How's your testimony and the sphere of your influence? It's good, it's good that people know you're a Christian. It should be pouring out of you. People ought to smell that you're a Christian. What do you mean by that, Pastor? What is the Savior? What are you giving them? Are, you so, are they so close to you and daily influences that your sphere of influence that they could smell that you're Christian? They know there's something about you. There's something about who you are as a Christian. Number one, you ought to, your sphere, say that with me, number one. Your what? Sphere of influence. The earth is where the gospel has to go. Everywhere. It ought to be broadcast, not just on radio or internet, in your world. Your sphere. Your sphere. This verse is also in uh, 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 salt of the earth in Mark uh, 9. I'm sorry, Luke uh, 14, verse 34. Salt is good. But if the salt had lost its savor, where shall it be seasoned? Salt seasoning. Does it have a connection? Do you like your food uh, seasoned with salt? Don't you like your french fries with salt on it? You know, salt is underrated. Let me give you an example of how underrated salt is. Do you realize that the process to get Clorox bleach 
that salt is in, chlor uh, that, that's in bleach? The process that Clorox, the brand name Clorox, how many can see that in your mind's eye right now, Clorox, you know? You've seen that somewhere along the line. You know, that employs about 9,000 employees. And there's a lot of other derivatives and companies off of that. Pine Sol and other major brand names off that Clorox name. But you know that in Clorox, when they go through that process, it's just salt and certain other, the major uh, sodium chloride is the major component of Clorox. It's, in, it's a household use all over the place. Salt is a cleaner. Salt is a preserver. Can you imagine if this world didn't have Christians in it right now? What kind of evil would be prevailing? And I know we're not supposed to, we're, we're, we're not the Christians that we ought to be, but can you imagine if we weren't in our sphere, in our worlds, what the people around us, the condition of, of, of the people would be around us without our influence and with, without uh, uh, the preserving of corruption. I wonder if Christians would have been in the last 20 years in New York State the Christians we should be if we'd have the present condition in our New York State right now with all the things going on in Albany. I submit to you that what's happening in the progressiveness of our state legislature in New York State right now is a result of Christians not doing what they, we should be doing as far as being salt to this earth, especially the real estate of New York State. Think about that. We are in dire straits. Number one, your sphere. Number two, your spear. What's number one? Your sphere, your influence, your world. We're supposed to be salt. Number two is your spear, your instrument. The, the verse we started with, a two-edged sword in your hand. But you also uh, realize that sword is also, listen, your mouth. Your mouth has to be used. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 6 and James chapter 3. Matter of fact, go to James 3 first. Boy, this is not going to be popular what I'm going to say right now. I asked my wife the other day, I go, honey, is it me? Or do you find, because she's on the internet a lot, I'm not. So I'm asking her this knowing that she'd give me an, an answer from her perspective. And I can give her a perspective if she asked me, uh, if she asked me the same question, but she knows I'm out and about a lot, and then I engage with people a lot more than her. But I asked her this question. I go, honey, is it me or is it people more vulgar today than they used to be with their mouths? She goes, it's off the charts. F this, F that, SOB, this, that. Vulgar, just awful things out of people's mouths. And listen, I, I know my audience. Listen, I'm in construction. I've been in constructions for 40 years. But you're not going to catch me swearing. It's not going to come out of my mouth. You know why? I've determined to have a clean mouth. Don't tell me you work in this place or that place. or That's just a people. 
listen, I'm in construction. I hear F-bombs. I hear all kinds of superlatives all day long, okay? We're not, gonna, we're not going to compare notes. But I'm telling you, you as a Christian can control your mouth. Now, I know that's not going to go over popular, so let's go to James chapter 3. Let me get the two-edged sword to speak to you. Let your fingers do the walking. Let your eyes do the squawking, right? <laughs> Look at James chapter 3. Now, listen, be patient now. Because your spear is your mouth. If you say one thing with your mouth, and then the next thing you're saying, praise the Lord, there's something wrong in down here in your ticker. I kid you not. Well, where do you get that from the scriptures? Right here. That's why I'm bringing it up for you. James chapter 3. I'm in the real world. I'm not playing video lottery in my office all day long. I know how the jungle rumbles. Believe you me, I know how it rumbles. And I'm telling you that to leverage my point. You as a Christian need to watch your mouth. Because people are going to walk all over you you're going to be good for nothing for your Christian testimony and being a soul winner if one minute you're saying this vulgar and the next minute you're trying to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. If you get that, if you get that thing under control, I believe the Lord's going to give you more souls. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I challenge you. When's the last time you led somebody to Christ personally. I didn't say you're praising the Lord wherever you go and you're doing all this and you're going to smile. I'm talking, when's the last time out of your mouth flowed something about the gospel of Jesus Christ? You showed them the scripture and you had a burden in your heart and somebody was humbled by that and you led them to Christ. Or you at least had a good, solid gospel witness with them. Okay? We good? I know I'm preaching hard right now. But I need it and you need it. It's got to filter through me first. Okay? Look at James 3 verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters. In other words, knowing that we receive the greater condemnation. Listening. If you're teaching kids, if you're teaching a Bible study, listen to everybody here. If you're somehow in a position of authority, husband, uh, wife, grandfather, grandmother, and your kids, grandkids are hearing you F-bomb this, S-O-B that, you're not going to have a good opportunity when you talk to Jesus Christ about them. Are you listening? Be not many masters. You want to be a teacher? You want to be a preacher? You want to be a minister? Watch your mouth. That's not all. I'm just getting started. Look at verse 2. For many... That condemnation does not mean you're going to lose your soul. It means judgment. You're going to be judged uh, by the standard by which... you realize when I'm up here preaching that I have to be above certain things? Oh, God help me. I get a target on my back as a minister. Do you know that? That you don't have on your back. That's why you need to pray for me. Because I reach, I, I do the best I can to put on my surgical gloves. I'm not perfect, okay? I got feet of clay. That's why it upsets me when somebody is, you know, just bad talking. This ministry or uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ that I represent. Really? Why are they lying? 
They lied about Jesus Christ, too. They lied about him. They lying like a Persian rug. Liars. I seriously doubt salvation. Really now. I know what I said earlier about eternal security. When somebody is talking bad about somebody that's trying to get people saved, are they really saved? Really? Look at this thing. For many things we offend all. Huh, I can relate to that. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man. And able also to bridle the whole body. Christians that don't bridle this tongue. This is where the spear comes in. Do you realize you can kill somebody with words? Do you know your, your mouth and your lips are like a sword? Hello! Instrument. Spear. What's point number one? You're what? Sphere. The earth, the world. No, number two is your spear, your mouth. Your mouth. You want to use your mouth? You want to be a teacher? You want to be a preacher? You want to lead people to Christ? You want to let people other you want to know that people know you're a Christian? Watch your mouth. Watch what you text. Behold, look at verse 3. Metaphor now. Watch what James is doing, the Holy Ghost. We put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. See the metaphor here? Behold also the ships which have another one. Though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm whithersoever the governor listeth. Big ships, little rudder. You understand? Hey, big boy, big girls, we're not talking about your waistline either. You want to be a big shot? You want to praise the Lord? Watch your mouth. I don't care what your background is here. I just told you my credentials. You're not going to catch Pastor G or Vince Giardino swearing. By the grace of God, I hope, hope not, not in your presence. <laughs> or on the construction, the worst hardened swear pot down there, out here, wherever, they're not going to catch. You know why? Because I'm trying to follow James 3. We're not done yet. The whole chapter is based on this. Watch this. What does this have to do with soul winning? It has everything to do with soul winning. Watch. Even so, the tongue, verse 5, is a little member, little rudder on a ship, on a big ship. It can turn a lot. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. There's the bookends right there. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Hey, have you ever heard this? Boy, your mouth's going to get you into trouble. Right? I know our president. He gets going with his fingers. But where does all that come from? Within. He's a good man, but he's a man, right? Do you realize the last 168 hours since he sent that last text out about the ladies of color? You know how much news and energy that produced in the news outlets? How many know what I'm talking about? Did it not produce a whole week and then some of commentary, late night show 
fodder to talk about. The late night show con uh, 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 host must love President Trump. We know the, by statistically uh, statistics that President Trump has done a lot for the news industry. Hello? How great a matter a little tweet will do, right? Texting, tweets, Facebook postings. I could tell you stories all day long, and I don't do Facebook. Preachers that say nasty things, nasty things. Missionaries, evangelists, preachers that I hear about. Fathers that say things about their own kids on a Facebook page that others are friends with. I'm talking Christians, horrible, mean things about their own blood, flesh and blood. Nasty. Where's that stuff come from? I wish my kids were dead. It would shock you what I hear. They'd rather have their kids not patient in prayer and waiting on the Lord. They'd rather have their kids killed than give them time to repent. Something's wrong with some saints. They got a screw loose. The tongue is a little member. Verse 6. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Are you reading what I'm reading? So is the tongue among our members. That's your body. Your members is not BJ's, Costco. Members are your body. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. Your members in particular. Members of a church body. Your physical body. Members of your physical extremities. You understand? Be patient now. Don't look at the clock. Don't listen to your stomach. That it defileth the whole body. And setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. Serious stuff. Verse 7, for every kind of beast, of birds, and of serpents, of things in sea, is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. Watch this little seal roll over. Watch this little seal roll. Look at that shark. Yeah, come up for the fishy. Look at the bear. I can wrestle with the bear, and I can uh, wrestle with the... We can tame animals, can't we? But we can't tame our beast, can we? Man, there's enough game in us when it comes down to it, right? Can you not, if something was said about your kids, about your wife, about your husband, doesn't some of those old, so familiar words come to mind when somebody's pushing your buttons? Come on now! Right? At the same time, dear brethren, we're supposed to be controlled not by the old man, but by the new. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in a, in a form of uh, uh, man, thought it not to be equal with God, but was always, but was in always tempted so as we are, right? Philippians chapter 2, or is that 3? I think it's chapter 3. Sorry about that. I should know that. But look at verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. 
Well, that's talking about unsaved people. No, it's not. Read James 1. It's not talking about unsaved people. He's talking to saints, Christians. Come on now. Look at verse 9. This is why, as a soul owner, you need to watch your mouth. Look at verse 9. Therewith, the tongue, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men. Ho, ho, time out. One minute? You're, my dad used to say this. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth. You're being a hypocrite. You're saying this and using all kinds of nasty language. And out of the other side of your mouth, you're talking about Jesus and saving grace and what he can do for your life. Hey, hey, like Bob Lonsbury. Hey, hey, that ought not to be so. Look at verse 9. We're going to bless God and curse men, which are made after the similitude of God. Hey, you want to know how to stop crime in Rochester, New York? You start loving one another. Right there is an answer to the crime in any small, big city right here. You realize that that person you want to pop, pop, stab, stab, or send drugs to is made after the image of God. I know a, uh, a Genesis chapter 5 after the image of Adam, and we're supposed to get back the image of God through Jesus Christ, the last Adam. Remember I talked about that last week? But we're supposed to have respect for humanity that God made. That's why all the transgender stuff, that's why all the uh, uh, gay stuff, people are not happy with the maker! You know why people are killing each other? They're not happy with God's making of mankind after the similitude of God. Right there. Right in good old James chapter 3. The answer to all of our social ills which are made, which are made, which are made after the similitude of God. That's why you ought not to be talking nasty about each other as Christians. How can you say bad things about one another and then, oh, hey, take this track. I want to tell you about Jesus. They don't mix. Watch the next verse. This is quite a chapter, isn't it? Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, you know by my brethren, it's not talking about the unsaved. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. When's the last time you heard that preach in a sermon, in a pulpit? That we ought to love one another. We ought to watch our mouths. That's in the Bible. On a soul winning message, number one is what? Our sphere. Number two, is, number two is our spear. Let's finish the chapter. Doth a fountain send forth the same place sweet water and bitter? <laughs> Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive trees? Either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield, watch this, salt, water, and fresh. Who is a wise man and do with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if ye have bitter 
envyings and strife in your hearts. Hey, right there is a full lifetime accomplishment as a Christian is to watch your bitterness and your stinking attitude towards each other. Boy, some of us, I'll say us in plural so some of you don't get too ticked off at me, we are something, aren't we? We get bitter, we get attitudes towards one another, we get our nose bent, don't we? Well, I can do this and they won't get... On and on and on and on. Well, I can sing a song. I can play the piano. How come pastor doesn't ask me? That bitterness starts to get under your craw. Before you know it, you're out the church. Not because what I did to you or what Mrs. G did or somebody else uh, did to you, but because what we didn't do for you and your mind started making up all kinds of stuff and you go pack into the next church down the road. That's the 104 corridor and how musical churches are happening all over this nation, not just 104 corridor. You hear what I'm saying? Right here, bitter envies in your what? Heart. Strife in your hearts. Glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, Who's he talking to? Brethren? Brethren can act like the devil. There's the proof text right there. Have you acted like the devil this past week and then the next, the next moment you're trying to tell somebody about Jesus and invite somebody to church and out of your mouth you just been a swear pot? You just been uh, uh, some little twit Christian, you've been some nasty little Christian, and all of a sudden you're going to turn on your smile and your little personality charm and, and invite people to church. And, and, and one minute you're talking, you're sending this text out, you got something under. I'm telling you, the reason why our churches, uh, a lot of churches are not doing well, is because of Christians in those churches. Can I get a witness on this? Backstabbers, they smile in your face all the time. They want to take your place. The backstabbers, backstabbers. I know. I'm praying, Brother Mike. Come on. <laughs> Not to be a singer, but to get somebody up here that can sing. I'm doing the best I can, right, Dave? It's not that you're like your 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 boilerplate doing the best I can. Doing the, you know how many times he says uh, doing the best I can to me on the phone and text in person. I wish I had a dollar for every time he said doing doing the best I can. Shut up, would ya? <laughs> I know you're doing the best you can. I'm doing the best I can. Now I'm telling that to my wife. Familiarity, you know, <laughs> you are who you hang around with. You know what I mean? Oh, you're gonna watch things. Anyways, listen. This is a great chapter in the Word of God. Hey, are we not supposed to have our, our speech seasoned with salt? That's Colossians chapter 4. Listen, I want to preach more on this. I want you to bow your heads. I think I said enough for you to chew on.